Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we've got a news and notes segment for everyone. Hello and good morning to you all joining us live in our YouTube chat. Quick reminder to subscribe to us on YouTube and give our videos a thumbs up, youtube.com slash attacking third. You can get exclusive content, previews, recaps, interviews, all right here with us on A3. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Lisa, how you doing today, bud? Good morning, Sandra. Um, I'm good. Hanging in there, you know, uh, getting over a little bit of a cold I've had the past couple of days. So uh apologize that this is a audio platform and everyone has to deal with the the congested voice. But hey, that's how you, that's how it rolls. It's getting better day by day. Um, no snow here in Center City, Philly, where I am. The, the burbs have gotten a little bit, but I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for like that perfect start of snowfall where it just like slowly glistens down onto the the ground. I love that. I live for that in January. Uh, but no, just, you know, grinding out the days. We, um, we've had a couple interviews that you and I have been really jazzed about and I'm, I'm like waiting to drop them in, into our feed. So they're coming everyone. Don't worry. But there's just been so much news happening um, in the NWSL, around the world of women's football, everywhere that we had to push an interview today It'll probably come tomorrow. I'm going to tease it a little bit here. Uh, Great interview dropping tomorrow, but because there's so much news happening that we get to talk about. How are you? How's it going? I'm with you. Same energy, except on the snow. Uh, In Chicago, it's definitely still ongoing in terms of the the snowfall. Had to do a round of shoveling just yesterday and looking like that's going to be on my agenda today as well um and might be you you and mark you and mark together because mark howard joined us live on youtube saying that toronto's got some snow he's got the day off heck yeah um awesome okay lucy also has snow where are all of you and and can you send some of the snow to philly just a little bit i don't want too much i'll send you some (laughs) snow i mean look i i I shouldn't be too complaining about it it's it's uh at least I guess what you could consider manageable um, snow. So that'll definitely like some shoveling around of shoveling will probably definitely be on, um, you know, part of my agenda today. But first things first, I had to hop on here and chat all things soccer with you. Cause yeah, you, you, you said it right. I mean, while we've been sort of having these interviews and, and sort of, you know, creating the contents and for the weeks to come and, um, trying to to keep up with uh, the new cycle. Uh, sure enough, we were like, you know what? 
we got to go live and talk about some things, uh, some news things that have dropped uh, across across the league, the NWL specifically, and just sort of recap that uh, on the show and 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 with the uh, and with our listeners. And I think I think there's things still that people are still looking at, at trades, you know, going on, free agency signings, um, and a lot of cool things like that. Preseason has technically arrived in the league, so we're going to touch on all those things. But we wanted to start at the top with some of the news because the league uh, announced some investigation results, and with that, some additional corrective action. Um, they revealed the uh, results of an investigation uh, within Portland Thorns FC and Washington Spirit, uh, not to be confused confused with the uh, official joint team investigation. This was a, a separate third party conducted um, investigation and for, for Portland Thorns revealing that uh, allegations that uh, that were brought up pretty much during the uh, playoff run for Portland Thorns here. So November of, of 2022 uh, allegations around assistant coach, uh, Sophie Klo, athletic trainer, uh, Pierre Sobrier, uh, Dr. Brown, the team's uh, official physician. Uh, so a number of, of folks in, involved in, in this investigations, uh, Sophie Klo, uh, allegations of unwanted physical contact with a player, uh, a player reporting concerns that the Klo kissed her neck at the team's championship celebration in DC. There was additional no reports of, of bullying um, and the investigation, although within the Royal assaults kind of cleared her of that. It said that it did not, she did not exceed bounds of, of, uh, of what would be considered appropriate coaching. Um, and then things I think get a little bit more gray or not so much gray, yeah. but murky really when it comes to uh Dr. Brown and, and athletic trainer uh, Pierre Sobrier uh, talking about we're talking about, you know, very high uh, dangerous sort of drugs. He, the allegations were that he administered uh, essentially codeine to two players before the October 2022 semifinal. Um, these are control control substances that are supposed to require a prescription by a physician specifically. Um and not only was it during the semifinal that apparently it was issued on multiple occasions without prescription and physician supervision. And then that's where I'm talking about murky because you're getting into like federal and state law violations versus something like a league policy. Um, and this part of this sort of, I guess, came to light because the team doctor, Dr. Brian Brown, essentially did self-reporting and reported herself and was the one that gave access ultimately um, for uh, sobrier to to administer that uh, that coding. So, I guess there was you know the, with these allegations coming to light around the playoffs, a third party investigator was uh, hired by the league, and they ultimately found wrong enough wrongdoings and violations of, of team policy that additional corrective actions were were issued. And while the league issued specific corrective actions, and they're going to be based on what we've seen before in the past, at least that there's sort of these conditions in place that there has to be, it's going to be uh, any future employment. It's going to be determined by, you know, uh, the commission at the commissioner's discretion, but there also has to be like an, an, um, an admittance of wrongdoing acceptance and acknowledgement of, of any wrongdoing. There has to be additional, you know, training that has to be completed and only then could they possibly be uh, considered, but uh, things like, um, you're getting into things like uh, boards and medical yeah. court uh, when it comes to things with with Dr. Brown and and uh, and so and Mr. Sobrier. So I've just uh, it's uh, it's a little murky, I think, in some areas. And then and for Portland Thorns, they even took it a little bit of a of an additional step forward within the consequences. And and these particular people have been fired from the Thorns, although Dr. Brown still remains uh, the the team doctor with the with the club. Yeah, so I think that's really important to touch on is that assistant coach Sophie fired pretty much immediately upon the results of these investigations. Um, and with Sobriere, as soon as um, these, this was kind of brought to light for the team and the league and the investigation started, Sobriere was put on administrative leave. So that was early December, December 7th. Um, and since then, he's he's now been fired, pen, like due to the results of this investigation, uh, administering 
codeine to two players and and one of them uninformed, the player unaware that it, it was happening to them um, uh, without the informed consent. So since then, after being fired by Portland Thorns, now um, his future employment depends entirely on the Oregon Board of Athletic Trainers and the Board of Certification because they will go to a ruling and they will determine if he is eligible to continue practicing as an athletic trainer. Um, and I think it, it's really important that the league um, enclose details about Dr. Brianne Brown and her involvement in this situation because Dr. Brown self-reported herself to the league uh, and to the team um, saying that she gave Sobriere access to the Cody. And uh, according to the NWSL, she was uncomfortable with that decision and then promptly communicated to Sobriere that the codeine should not be administered. Um, but it was retrieved by Dr. Brown and it wasn't administered. Uh, so because of that, Dr. Brown did not violate any federal or state law or league policy. So Dr. Brown doesn't have to do anything legally on that sense. Um, and it, within the NWSL, Dr. Brown is now um, subject to increased oversight by NWSL Chief Medical Officer Dr. Sydney Chang for the next three months. So a little bit of probation there for Dr. Brown after the self-reporting, um, but still found that Dr. Brown didn't do anything wrong, essentially. And, and for uh, athletic trainer Sobrer, it looks like he's got to essentially go to court um, with these different things and, and because it does become a legal matter administering substances that he is not allowed to administer. He is not a physician. He cannot write prescriptions. He's not a doctor. Um, so it's it's definitely pretty intense and, and pretty different than what we've seen traditionally. There's been a lot of allegations of sexual assault or sexual misconduct or verbal abuse and, and verbal assault. But this is this is very different because it becomes medical now and it becomes legal within the state of Oregon and the United States of America. And I think that's where this is uh, takes just a different turn. It's just a different branch of the tree yeah. in which the league now has to kind of look at and say, okay, we've got anti-harassment laws in place. What else yeah. can we do to make sure that this doesn't go any further as it continues to progress? Yeah, it's something, it's one of those things that we're going to have to keep an eye on because there's like another component to that, that we'll probably have to, you know, that we'll probably get an update on uh, further, further along the line for, for Washington spirits. Um, we had chatted and, and during with, with Pierre Sobriere before we move on to that, that is Crystal Dunn's husband, which has been reported throughout all of this. Just for those that don't know, I know people in our chat right now are saying that and talking about it. For those listening, though, they are married. Um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, for I guess that's that could be something if you're more of like a, a casual follower. Yes, of, yes. Of the, of the league or soccer. Maybe that's not something that um folks know and i think i'll just take it one step further and say that crystal dunn the player was uh nowhere named within any of these investigations correct and people should continue to um differentiate those two things and understand uh those two things as well um and, and washington spirit are also uh included within uh this uh, this uh investigations and some of the results that they issued. We, we had talked about um, former head coach Chris Ward in the spirit during the 2022 season, Lisa, because uh, he was someone that was ultimately terminated and dismissed from his role. Uh, it was due to a, a very specific sequence of events. As we were talking about, there was a, a situation that took place within um, training grounds and uh, there were further investigations that were, were uh, that were conducted around this. And, and since, since we're talking August, 2022, and now we're here, January, 2023, uh, the investigations ultimately sustained that he had engaged in verbal abuse and emotional conduct uh, that includes uh, specific racial stereotyping. So in August was fired as head coach due to this training ground incident. Uh, there was yelling, uh, claims that there was yelling at players uh, during out of frustration, admitted that. That's something that he went uh, in an interview with The Athletic on. Um, but this investigation and the, and the league ultimately found that he uh, did engage in overly aggressive behavior 
and harassment through negative racial stereotyping um, towards a player. And that is in violation of league policy. So uh, in terms of some of these corrective actions that have been placed from the league towards these individuals, he had already had termination from the spirit. So with the, with these corrective actions, they, for Chris Ward specifically, they have deemed him ineligible for future employment. Um, But there are, there is a condition within that, that if you, if they were to seek employment within WSL, there has, it has to be with approval of the uh, NWSL commissioner. And there is additional, um, training that would have to come into play. And there will have to be, again, an admittance of wrongdoing and an acceptance of personal responsibility within that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like reading the updates between all of these individuals and the corrective actions issued to them from these two particular clubs. Uh, it just sort of, I appreciated the, uh, the, the consequence essentially that, that, that was issued because we're talking about um, medical things, um, mm-hmm. very, very layered and complex like medical laws and, and practices that we're talking about with the Portland Thorns investigation. And then when you look at the Washington spirit, it's important to note that it's a different situation because it's, uh, it's issues of, of racism that are involved yes. you know, within this particular uh, situation. And I think it's important to, to always note that, that there are, there are unfortunately things that we've had to cover uh, over the last couple seasons of, of this league when it, when it has come to all of these varying investigations, whether it was, you know, us soccer's the independent investigation with Sally Q Yates or the joint team investigation um, between the PA and the league, or, or now these sort of individual, unique, one-off kind of specific third-party investigations into clubs and allegations there. No matter what they are, there have been things that have been investigated within all of these um, reports that have that can impact all players at any level within this league. Totally. And it's, it's, we've talked about things like um, whether it's sexual harassment or misconduct, we've talked about, now we're talking about things like medical malpractice, but when it comes yeah. to racism, that is actually something that cannot be experienced by all players in this league. And so because of that, it should absolutely be taken care of and treated with the utmost urgency mm-hmm. and importance as, as, as something like, uh, a sexual like sexual misconduct allegations or something like medical malpractice allegations. Racism is not something that should just sort of be like, oh wow, isn't that a terrible thing that happened and just sort of move on. What is going to no. happen from this from this point? So while I'm I'm you know it's it's good to see that the league issued uh, a, a pretty serious um corrective action to this particular individual. And my hope is that from there that the players in the Washington spirit and across the league continue to get support um, with whenever, when it comes to issues of dealing with things like racism or uh, racial profiling or things like that within their playing environments. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's also something that we need to continue to, to keep an eye on and not just sort of be like, okay, well this thing happened and they issued a corrective action and now let's let's continue uh, to move forward. Like, no, like that's something that you always have to keep maintaining an eye on and hopefully, um, you know, try to eradicate or eliminate like within, yeah, within the league. You know, it's horrible that it's it's yeah, it's horrible that it's not something that you can just say like, OK, no, we're done with that. It's it's forever ongoing and it, it needs to be stayed on top of that. It, it doesn't continue to happen moving forward, whether it's with Chris Ward or anyone else. And I think that one step that has been taken forward in the last year or two years within the NWSL is taking those allegations seriously and understanding that they need to be investigated and that there needs to be action that is taken following those investigations. Um, With the (laughs) results of of the investigation into Chris Ward and and these actions that happened in August of last year, um, we talked about it at the time because this was an open story as to why Chris Ward was uh, relieved of his duties as head coach earlier in the year um, and kind of how that unfolded. He then went on to have an interview with The Athletic where he talked about the situation at practice and that he admitted to yelling at a player in frustration. And, And then following that, we saw a Washington Spirit team statement 
from captain or co-captain of the team, Andy Sullivan, saying that uh, the team was angered by Chris Ward's answers in the interview, um, saying that, yes, there's two sides to every story, but that is not the case in this scenario. They know um, that uh, stating that the interview that Chris Ward did was completely inaccurate recollection of a serious situation um, and that the apology that Chris Ward was offered to the team, um, there was a misalignment in his words and his actions towards the team. So I think that's, it's interesting because that part of it coming out in late August was public. That was put out on social media. The the interview was put out by The Athletic and a lot of this was in the public eye. And ultimately the league had to go through an investigation about what happened, and they found that the allegations against Ward were sustained. Um, and as you said, I think that uh, aggressive behavior, the harassment, and uh, most importantly, the negative racial stereotyping towards a player is it, completely in violation. Um, but the fact that he was already fired in August is – it just adds like a different layer, layer of difficulty, right, as to this point yeah. because – he's not still employed by the league or by the club or anyone at this point. So then it limits the league and this Washington spirit, their course of actions as to what they can do against this person because they're no longer involved. And that's the the corrective action. just sort of seems like they're ultimately upholding the consequence that was already issued by the club specifically um, while just sort of like tacking on that added component of like, you're because of this, you're ineligible. And even if there's a possibility of your re-entry into the league in any capacity, there has to be an admittance of wrongdoing on your part mm-hmm. in this uh, specific uh, situation. So I think to sort of maybe transition from this and, and continue to talk about more news that that's happening in the league, um, you know, I think there's also an interesting reaction to this type of stuff when it comes out. And I think you and I, you and I saw it when, when the league released this, that sometimes there has been this added reaction from the public where it's like, oh no, here we go again, kind of energy around the league and issuing these things. And I just want to remind folks who are listening to this or, or, or watching us on this is that, you know, this league is, in, is trying uh, its very best to sort of take these next steps into its next era. And mm-hmm. for a long time, a whole decade, in fact, this league existed without so many of the very important things that need to exist within any organization. Uh, any working employees, environment. Any working environment. Yeah, like things like, uh, you know, this league didn't have, you know, had clubs that didn't have like HR apartments. There was no anti-harassment policy in place. Uh, there were no appropriate channels for players to go and report complaints or anything like that. Those things did not exist for nearly an entire decade um, within the league and within some of their clubs specifically. So what's happening now is now that there are resources, now that there there's a literal CBA for players that exists now, um, there's a player union that's in place that, that wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily always a part of the league in its first 10 years. Um, and now there's those anti- anti-harassment policies and now there are actual uh, uh, channels and avenues for players to report uh, concerns or misconducts and allegations. Because those things exist now, there's actually going to be some more of this, I think, moving forward. Because these things are in place, they need to allow the opportunity to produce the eventual change that the league and the players actually want to see. So Mm -hmm. is it exhausting to read something like these kind of constantly or from our perspective, kind of cover it? Yeah, of course. I'm not going to say that it's not, but but we're also not the ones going through it. And we're we're also not the the ones going through it. And it's exhausting for the players. It's also just really an important part of this next um, history of, of this league because we need to ensure that we're like covering it, talking about it and documenting it um, and making sure that the league does kind of 
really stay within that that third step, right? We, we've heard so much about this three-pronged yeah. approach to the NWSL ecosystem in this next era for the league. The first of that was going through these investigations, seeking out the truth. Uh, the commissioner are talking about how they're really kind of in this second step of issuing corrective actions, but that that second step kind of goes hand in hand with that third step, which is ultimately systemic reform. And systemic reform is not something that is going to happen overnight. That's not how it works, especially when we're looking at sort of um, the past decade of things. There's like a decade of things that have to be undone and sort of, um, you know, rectified and clarified and, and you know, continue to, to, to be worked on. So um, it, I feel everyone when they maybe sort of feel a layer of exhaustion and maybe they're like, Ugh, this is the part that that's really really tough, um, and I can assure you that if it it's tough to 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 read or, or go through, I can only imagine that it's even harder for for players who have to live it every day and go through it. Um, so while we're here to talk about the soccer and cover the game and and all that, we're also here to cover the players. And um, yes, we're really looking forward to to continue trying to to balance those two things uh, together. So uh, we have more to talk about on this episode. Thanks to you all for joining in this first half. We're going to talk about player movement, trades, free agency, so much more. Please hang with us after a quick break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right. Let's chat about it. Let's talk about some things happening in NWSL. Before we jump into that, I just want to say congratulations to uh, Barcelona Femini. Uh, shout out to them. Announcing that they uh, earned their 50, 50th league win. It's a pretty outstanding run. They have uh, 50 total wins, which is something uh, that hasn't really been accomplished before, even for the their men's side of the team. So that was something that was surfacing around uh, just yesterday on, on Wednesday, the January 25th. If you're joining us live on this episode, <laughs> Thursday, the 26th. Um, but yeah, ultimately the longest run up until Barcelona achieved that was Lyon on a 46 game winning stretch in the uh, French uh, championship from December 2011 to January 2014. And Barca's uh, uh, streak uh, sort of began in the summer of 2021. And then they went ahead and kept winning, essentially. Yeah. So congratulations. All they uh, do is win, win, win. Yeah, congratulations uh, uh, in order in order for them. So, congrats to Barca Femini. Uh, we have seen some player movement, Lisa. Let's chat a little bit about shifting into preseason and kind of switching gears from from an off season mode into a preseason mode. Uh, it's early. It's early. These there are voluntary. Uh, preseason reporting that that's happening right now. Some players are already in market. Some players are not. Uh, teams are putting out preseason rosters. Some teams have not been able to uh, finalize those yet. And there has been player movement because free agency is still absolutely a thing. Let's start with Orlando Pride. Uh, yep. Orlando Pride. Just before we get into this, as a reminder, we do have like the framework. We don't have a schedule yet for this year oh, for the NWSL. Yeah, yeah. We've got like the 
the bones, the framework. So it's uh, the flexibility for teams to have a six to eight week preseason camp that can open as early as January 23rd. Uh, We're already on January 26th, but no later than February 6th and the regular season kicking off March 25th. So players are, are trickling back into their respective markets. They're getting back into their clubs, moving into their homes for the year, um, kind of all getting settled in. There's been preliminary training. If you follow some of these NWSL teams all over social media, they've got really fun, interactive things that, where you can see the players getting their their testing done, their medical exams, things like that. It's it's cool to see. It's like the start of a new school year, right? The start of a new yeah. season. You get all get all your new gear. You get get in line. Get situated. You get to see all your friends after the long off season. <laughs> wouldn't Wouldn't that be funny though? If like you're like growing up, like you're like in grammar school, like your school years are like, oh yeah, like voluntary reporting begins this day. Like, would you have been one of those like st- students that like showed up voluntarily no. very early? Or would you have waited till like the last no. absolute day? I would have waited till the last day. I wanted every single bit of my summer freedom as a kid in school. Uh, of course, I wasn't showing up on day one of the voluntary reporting. No, in school, <laughs> heck no. Soccer, Yes. When we had like voluntary training before preseason started in college. Yes, I was there because, hey, that's fun. Those are your friends. School is like, come on, I don't want to learn anymore. Sports, (laughs) right? Different things. Uh, Okay. Player moving out of Orlando Pride. Maybe a little bit different in terms of what's necessarily considered like a trade or things like that. But uh, the Pride uh, making a mutual announcement with goalkeeper Aaron McLeod and midfielder and midfielder Gunny Johnstotter, uh, basically making the announcement that these two players are stepping away from Orlando Pride. They have plans to return to Iceland. Um, the duo is married, and the wives are are looking to start a new chapter in their life in Iceland specifically. So, news of this dropping kind of right after. Uh, essentially the the announced retirement of Darian Jenkins. So it's kind of this one-two combination of, of, of three players who are not going to be part of this Orlando Pride unit uh, moving forward. When you sort of, we, we talked a little bit about Darian Jenkins in a previous episode and her retirement. Now we have this chat about when you're sort of looking at um, this particular announcement, like what, what were your reactions when you saw it? Was it just like, oh no, like here are some more players that the Pride are losing? Or is it just sort of like, Okay, you have to just sort of pick up with the pieces that you have and 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 push forward through preseason. It was a little my my response and reaction to this was a bit two pronged because yeah. I am super happy for Aaron and Gunny because uh, Gunny yeah. is from Iceland. Um, she's an Icelandic international player, and for Gunny to be returning home is really special. That's really cool. After so so much time away from your home, um, you get to now go back to Iceland and go back to home with your wife. Like that warms my heart and that makes me super happy. But these are two veterans, two veterans yeah. in the league experience with Orlando Pride. They've both been on that roster for a a chunk of time. Um, So that's something that I think is maybe going to hurt Seb Hines and and this Orlando Pride team moving forward because last year in 2022, uh, Orlando dealt with a lot of uh, ups and downs. They struggled and they had weak moments. They had some really strong moments throughout the year as well. And it, they had a very young team last year, a, a new team, right? That had a lot of new players coming in that hadn't played together consistently. They end up getting an interim head coach towards the end of the season. Um, so this year, it was like uh, the turning of a page for Orlando. They've got Seb Hines as their head coach who finished out the year with them last year. He gets a clean slate with this team. You've got Marta back in training after her year out due to an ACL tear. And it, now you lose your starting goalkeeper in Aaron McLeod, who who played pretty much every single game last year for Orlando, most of the games between the sticks for Orlando. She was very consistent. She's a huge leader for this team. And Gunny, who is a midfielder that brought so much veteran and leadership ability to the midfield for this Pride team. So that's something that I think is going to hurt this team moving forward without uh, some of those veterans um, and those older players that have been in the league for a while, not being there, but ultimately uh, there's only so much you can do, right? They, they're probably nearing the ends of their careers. They've been playing for a long time and now they get to go celebrate uh, the honeymoon phase of life together in Iceland. And I'm happy for them on that front. 
yeah, we'll see uh, what the next move is for them. Iceland does have a have a league out there, and so uh, I know there's a ton of players who have um, had experiences uh, within that league specifically and are now playing in all different areas of, of the world now. Uh, but Orlando Pride, uh, not the only team to have a bit of, of player movement or player news to, to talk about. Chicago Red Stars uh, making some headlines of their own, and uh, this time in a way in which they are adding pieces to their roster instead of saying farewell. So there was a long, dark stretch and period of time there where when we were talking about this this team, it was in the sense that they kept losing uh, players. And now as they kind of are taking those early steps into preseason, uh, we're talking about Chicago adding uh, players to their roster. They announced that they signed Brazilian international and midfielder Julie Bianchi to a two-year contract. Uh, she is the first Brazilian to play for Chicago in its NWSL era during the uh, WPS days. Uh, Chicago Red Stars was a home to uh, Cristiani and Formiga, so third ever, but first ever in, in NWSL history. But then, you know, the Red Stars, that wasn't the only bit of news, player news that they put out there on on, uh, Wednesday. They also were part of a trade with Angel City, uh, and they have acquired midfielder Kari Recaro in exchange for $65,000 in allocation money. And listen... Where there was one, why not get two? I love yeah. this move for the Chicago Red Stars. It's uh, great to see that they were able to to make these moves. And uh, shout out to their new GM, Michelle Lomnicki, uh, getting it across the line. Um, I know what I felt about this, but I'm curious your thoughts on, on this, Lisa. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy for Chicago. It's about time, right? They made some moves. I don't have to tell you that. You know, you've been waiting for some things to happen in, in this offseason. But um, initially getting Julie Bianchi, is that how you say it? Excuse me, um, to a two-year contract. That's also fantastic, right? First Brazilian to play for Chicago in the NWSL um, and, and a two-year contract, right? That's, that's fantastic to see that you get her for two years. You get to develop this player and solidify her in, in the midfield for this Red Stars team. And, and this was an offseason for Chicago that suffered a lot of loss with their free agents. They lost all three of their starting midfielders, the most consistent players on this team, Morgan Gatral, Vanessa DiBernardo, and Danielle Colaprico. Um, they lost all of them. So they've really needed to rebuild. And and when you, you look at the 2022 season for Chicago, they had a lot of young players that stepped in and, and filled holes. And they dealt with a lot of adversity due to injuries, especially in their back line. And with Chris Petroselli as the head coach, it changed the way Chicago played last year. We saw them go from a four back to a three back and and really find their groove and find their footing with that three defensive back at the end of it all. Um, then we see the announcement that Kerry Ricaro is coming from Angel City to Chicago. And personally, I love this grab for the Red Stars. This is huge. Kerry uh, Ricaro is a player that's been in the league since 2016. She's been around. She's got a lot of experience. She's played for um, a, a few different clubs between Houston, North Carolina, most recently with Angel City. And last year, we saw Kerry Ricaro grow into a role on the pitch that we haven't seen her in before. She started 20 out of the 21 games that she played in for Angel City, and she ends up getting four goals. Her first four goals of her NWSL career all come last year for Angel City. And Angel City struggled with a little bit of attacking prowess that they had, suffered some injuries to Kristen Kristen Press. They got Sydney LaRue, and, and she suffered some injuries. They had some player movement. But the fact that your defensive midfielder in Kerry Recaro is scoring goals, four goals and one assist, for Angel City last year. I think that's a promising thing. And so now you put a player like Kerry Ricaro underneath someone like Mallory Pugh and uh, with the vision from Ricaro to be able to play those slip passes through uh, onto the foot of a Pugh, um, the the young players up top like Elle Stevens. uh, This is exciting to me uh, for Chicago. Um, I, I love that they picked up Ricaro um, and, and Angel City then getting 65000 in allocation money. So um, not too bad for Angel City as well, but I think Chicago wins in that trade for now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, listen, they had 
they had very specific needs. We talked about that um, in the lead up to the draft. We were looking at clubs who were a little thin in certain positions in their rosters. And we had a, a handful of clubs that we thought needed to really tackle that draft to try to help kind of build out their rosters. And Chicago was a part of that equation, Orlando, Washington spirit. We had included in there as well. Um, and it wasn't too surprising to see Chicago's preseason roster and see so many non-roster invitees along that preseason roster. But within that, knowing that they were still capable of making a player acquisition, an international signing at that, making a trade for a veteran uh, NWSL midfielder yeah. in, in Recaro, um, and to sort of be able to continue to flesh out their roster, hopefully through the preseason, because that's part of what we're witnessing now with some of these preseason rosters dropping. Preseason is one of my favorite times of the year for, for NWSL because you get to see these preseason rosters and you get to take a look at who's got 30-plus players on their preseason roster. So many times you're looking at rosters that are have like 30 players or even like 35 players on them. And obviously that sort of gets, uh, you know, whittled down over the course of, of the, the extended preseason. So we'll see the players who, uh, you know, leave an impact, who will be able to, to maybe earn a contract out of uh, preseason um, performances. And um, good for Chicago for, you know, sort of trying to finally yeah. find a way to, to sort of build out uh, the midfield specifically for them. I'm very curious as to where and how they might utilize these players. Um, Ricardo Kent is someone who could play lower, but so is Bianchi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. is coming off, uh, coming from Palmeiras and in Brazil, she has won awards out there for being like the best defensive, like Brazilian yeah. defensive midfielder. So I'm very curious as to what we're going to see. Are we going to see a pivot? Are we going to, you know, see someone move higher? Um, very, very excited uh, for the team moving forward uh gotham fc we got to chat about uh <laughs> i guess the the other shoe finally dropped they, they had they kicked off they were the ones who kicked off the free agency period when kelly o'hara went uh on men and blazers an episode of men and blazers and made the announcement that she is going to move from washington spirit to gotham fc and then there were no details about well, it was too early contract. too, right? Gotham ends up getting fined because they they did it too early and they weren't even allowed to announce it. They do all of this big men in blazers and and announce it for Kelly O'Hara, and they end up getting a fine. They didn't even care. And then it was like, okay, well, how long is she there? What's what's the money situation? What's happening? Why is she going to Gotham? And and what's there? And you're exactly right. The other shoe finally dropped. We we she she signed it. It's official. Like it wasn't just an announcement. There's a contract. It's a multi-year deal. O'Hara with Gotham FC on a two-year deal, I believe. And uh, they finally have that other piece that they knew that they were going to to have for for 2023. Free agency has been uh, exciting, but it's not just player movement that that we have been talking about this week. Uh, we saw that the Thorns went ahead and made it official. They've appointed Heather Davis as CEO, their chief executive author. He Heather Davis has uh, been involved with the Thorns organization, kind of in an interim role uh, in general counsel, but now uh, essentially being promoted to, to the new uh, CEO and uh, just wanted to include that within all of our, our news here. But uh, free agency winding down a little bit, perhaps, in light of the preseason kicking off. Let's talk about free agency a little bit. Uh, it's not over yet. I think we will have to put a final grade on things once uh, once preseason actually gets officially rolling on February 6th. But while we've seen some movement, while we've seen some players clearly exercise their free agency and ink new deals with new clubs, there's still some uh, players whose status uh, we are uh, waiting to, to see if it, that's going to change. Are some of these players who are remaining on this free agency list in current negotiations with clubs in the league, or maybe they're looking at opportunities outside of the NWSL, uh, let's maybe run down list of players uh, remaining on this list. Uh, 
we have Jalen Danielson on there, Elizabeth Eddy, Julie Ertz, Tobin Heath, Caitlin, uh, Caitlin Johnson, Shayna Matthews, Tony Presley, Tommy Richardson, Jody Taylor, Michelle Vasconcelos, Kalia Watt, question mark. Listen, we, we, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go down. Let's go down these. Um, there's a number of players here where even, Lisa, when we were fleshing out our outline of content for today, that we even had question marks over because we were like, we thought maybe this player had already announced a, a new a new club team or or the the club announced a, a re-signing of some of these players uh or uh we were even curious about a player like Kalia Watt her her husband <laughs> JJ Watt already announced his retirement from uh the NF- NFL and we thought that we were trying to rehash our brains and say like oh did did Kalia Watt also retire but there we were looking around for for some of that and there's nothing that's really been publicly stated out there at the, at the moment um and then we were also very curious about uh like uh, elizabeth eddy like the the crown contract yeah. situation like going from gotham and then being traded to the dash and is that just something where it's like the contract expired and there weren't actual negotiations occurring and i think you could the same the same thing could be said for maybe like a player like Dummy Richardson. Dummy Richard was was a part of uh, a certain amount of players that Gotham ultimately bid farewell to. It said, we wish you well. Good luck on your next endeavors. That there wasn't perhaps maybe uh, a really uh, meaningful nego- renegotiation to, to sort of retain those players that Gotham was going to essentially move on and and look to, to flesh out their roster in, in other areas. But even for somebody like Katie Johnson, I, I remember talking with you about it. <laughs> Lisa, and you were like, hey, didn't she resign with San Diego? And we were like, no, that was actually Mackenzie Doniak. And for Katie Johnson, you know, there's there's rumors if this, if it's not going to be NWSL, where is it going to be, right? I think that's the next phase of this for the free agency list. If it's not going to be a club with NWSL, what options are these players uh, going to look at yeah. moving forward? Katie Johnson is a player that has been linked to Liga MX Feminil for pretty much the majority of her NWSL career um, really since she was a rookie is, was this a player that was ever going to make the jump uh, to Liga Mex Feminil? I would argue that those rumors are still prevalent, probably <laughs> more so today as she, as she's a player who's listed on this free agency list. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see like where a player like that can end up because part of, her returning to California was that she, she was part of right. She wanted out of Chicago, wanted to play closer to friends and family. So where's her next move go now that San Diego has also sort of appeared to, to have moved on from negotiating and say like, we're fleshing out our roster and moving forward. Um, so where does some, someone like her uh, end up? So when you're, when we're looking at these this sort of dozen of names or so, remaining on this free agency list it's far less than the initial 45 uh that there was to start when you're looking at these remaining names for you lisa like who stands out is maybe like one of those names that you're just like this is still a really good player that could slot in into an nwsl side or who's someone that you're surprised to still see um amongst these names yeah, I think that these are good questions because we've heard from uh, clubs that these players were previously at that they were no longer signing them. As you mentioned, Jaylene Daniels with North Carolina, Domi Richardson with Gotham. Um, there's a couple on this list, but there are also a couple that their previous clubs didn't say anything. I think Elizabeth Eddy was the one that I was most like, hmm, interesting that Houston – didn't release her from my knowledge and what I could see and find that they didn't say, okay, Elizabeth Eddie, we're going to let you go. Now, uh, Houston had a very good offseason. I think they picked up Diana Ordonez. They've got a, a lot of depth. They picked up some some rookies in the draft. Um, I, I could see why maybe they don't need a player like Elizabeth Eddie. But when you run down this list, um, I, I think a lot of people have circled Julie Ertz on this list. I just don't foresee anything really coming of that as of right now as a free agent. She can stay a free agent. She doesn't need to sign with anyone. Um, and I just don't think she will. I think Tobin Heath and, and the talks of her and where she's going, um, what's happening there, the fact that she has not re-signed with O.L. Reign makes me uh, firmly believe that she's not staying in Seattle. Um, I imagine she wants to get to California, wants to get a little bit farther south, be a little bit warmer. So that's a player that 
I, I think still might have a little bit of shelf life left. And uh, although Tobin Heath has suffered some injuries and she's coming off of a surgery most recently, um, this is a player that's by, by no means at the peak of her career. She's uh, maybe nearing the end of her career at this point, but she's still got some life left in her. And you've also got the name of Tobin Heath. And that's a pretty good signing to get if you're a club that's looking to get some fans out to games, you're looking to to generate a little bit of talk around your club and, and chatter. I think that's a player that a club wouldn't mind signing. But you also have to remember that these 12, 11 players are free agents because they've had a lot of experience and a lot of success in the league historically. So they're at the point in their careers where they can negotiate for what they want. And some of that may be happening behind closed doors, right? We don't know if any of these players are very close to signing a contract with a certain team, but they're just working out those couple extra dollars or those couple extra things that this player wants. Um, but they're nearing the end of that, uh, those talks and those negotiations because, hey, we're on the verge of mandatory preseason to start for these clubs. We've got about two weeks left, right? until a, a week and a half left until these teams have to have everyone in market and have to be ready to go for a preseason. And it, the clock's ticking for some of these players, I imagine. I, I think Jody Taylor is a good grab, right? We've seen what she could do. Um, and and you have to be wary that it's a World Cup year. What's going to happen? Who are you going to lose heading into the summer months throughout the NWSL. But th those are probably some of the biggest names. Katie Johnson, as you said, um, Elizabeth Eddy for me, Jody Taylor, and I think Tobin Heath, it would behoove someone to, to pick up her for the name, if anything. Listen, we're live right now, Lisa. Frankly, I'm just surprised that nothing's dropped as we're <laughs> doing this episode because I like to think sometimes that we're a little bit of a catalyst for things. It's like, you know what? Second, third's going going live. We should definitely drop a trade or a, or a, or a free agency signing right now as uh, as we're going live to react to and it. No uh, better time than the present. Should, I, yeah. should we be refreshing Twitter here? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, let, let us know what we're missing in case something is dropped. But uh, we'll keep an eye on it for sure. February 6th, the official cutoff day preseason kicking off all team or all players uh, reporting into markets. Uh, so I would anticipate that we'll still see some things in the pipeline in the lead up over the next 10 days or so within that. But for now, that's all we've got for you this morning. Thanks everybody as always for joining us here on attacking third download, follow, listen to us anywhere. You get your podcast. You can watch us too. subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts. For whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third like follow subscribe leave those comments because we want to hear from you we always appreciate when you uh drop us a line show us some love uh, we'll be back with so much more as always on a3 for sandra Herrera and lisa roman this was the second when you have sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen